pastor with no answers folks community listeners whatever you want to call yourselves i'm game for it i'm game for it it does kind of seem like this is a listenership that's kind of a i don't know a community that represents a whole lot of people i think there's people that i would maybe call more straight laced and conservative with their approach to faith and maybe it's curious as to some progressive approaches to it. There's also some very despicable, vulgar, progressive people on the bottom of this podcast. Honestly, I do feel like at the core, there's some, there's some people that look at Joey Spenson as someone who is on a very similar path that they are on. And I think when we find people on a similar path, it is encouraging. Oftentimes that person is either way ahead of them on that path or way behind. But either way, it just makes you feel good to not be so alone. Some people aren't alone. They have people in their local community, but some people don't. And that's actually kind of a really cool thing about technology is that a listenership of a podcast can kind of be connected in a neat way of engaging in similar conversations by, you know, even though it's one-sided listening to a conversation. But I still think that it's really cool to, to be a part of a group of people that questions a lot but doesn't want or doesn't feel like they could even do this if they wanted to and that is leave following Jesus like to to stop doing that it's it's a part of us it's truth to us and we're just not gonna do it because we feel very loved and I do want to say that there are some opportunities for there to be more than just a one-sided conversation by listening to the podcast. You can go to Facebook and search for Pastor With No Answers Discussion Group. And it's actually a group that that group is not created by me, uh, but I chime in on there a good bit. And here's a question that I just threw up there. I actually tweeted recently um, it basically reads, I really feel, uh, actually it says, in the church world, young folks prefer older, weathered, wiser. And then I say, like very authoritatively, I promise, let's knock it off this misconception of meeting young, hip leaders. I'll be honest with you, I really positioned myself as to be authoritative on this, and I don't really know for sure if I'm right. <laughs> I just think that I am, at least with people that I rub shoulders with and some of the younger people. I guess I'm, I'm mainly thinking here like 20s and 30s, which is younger than me. I really don't think that most of those folks are saying, give me the young hip leaders that are my age or younger. I think they're like, please let me learn from people that know what they're talking about and have been around the block and not to say anything negative about the potential of learning from peers by any means. I just think that people gravitate a little more towards people that are a little bit older. So anyway, you can go to Pastor With No Answers discussion group, chime in on that. I actually have like a little uh, poll that you can answer and then comment. I also want to welcome Trisha Quinn and Javier Arroyo to the Pastor With No Answer Patreon group. And that is also an opportunity where not only you can support this podcast financially, uh, but you can also be a part of conversations on different social media platforms. There's a lot of conversations going on on Marco Polo, and we actually had a, a cool little group discussion digitally, me and a couple other patrons a few days ago that, that was awesome. So I really do appreciate folks that support this podcast. Uh, it actually is very helpful. And, uh, you know, one of these days I can tell you how I spend that money, but it has been very helpful with, uh, with you know, getting this podcast in, in different spheres and you know, trying some things and, and all that sort of thing. So thank you all. I want to say that later on in the week, I am going to release a little 30 minute episode introducing two 
new co-hosts of this show that you'll be hearing more from. I'm really excited for you to get to know them, two dear friends of mine that honestly I've learned a lot from. And we have a, a neat little talk on many things, uh, but it's a, it's all jam-packed into 30 minutes. There's no one-on-one interview because I just kind of want you to hear uh, from those guys. And so looking forward for, to you hearing that. Right now, though, is John Mark McMillan, a friend of mine. We talk a lot about faith and how ours have changed. Don't forget, at the end of this episode, there's a sneak peek of his album, Peopled with Dreams, that is coming out on Valentine's Day, if I'm not mistaken. So thank you guys for listening and enjoy the show. All right, we're here with John Mark McMillan, and uh, John, I was thinking, here's here's what's funny is, I, I say John, and I don't even know, do people call you John Mark or John? People call me both. Uh, yeah. My wife always tells me, you need to tell people to call you John Mark. You know, so my, <laughs> my friends call me John Mark, but it's not odd to be called John and the occasional, gotcha. you know, Mark as well. And, but. Right, and the reason why I say that is it's kind of a... I think I've talked about this sort of thing before, but you and I, we've, we've texted back and forth every now and then, but it's weird. It's like, I think you're my friend. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like it's, yeah, I think of you as my friend too. Probably some of it it is weird because yeah, go ahead. ahead, I'm used to hearing your voice in my ears. And so I just, (laughs) you know, you feel like you're friends with your podcasting people that you listen to, you know? Totally, totally. But I, you know, I was thinking, I was like, you know, I think that there's probably a type of personality that would see someone that they've texted back and forth with. And, 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 you know, make no mistake about it. You, you and I have texted more deeper stuff. It hasn't been all super shallow, but I do think that there's some personality types and I'm not even saying lesser of people that would be like, no, we're not friends. I mean, we kind (laughs) of texted back and forth, but like, you know, you and I got on this Skype call and it was just like, oh, this, this is my friend, man. I like this guy. (laughs) Well, thanks, man. Well, I kind of feel that way too. I don't know why exactly, but I, you know, I do. I, I identify with you for some reason. I'm not sure. Yeah. Maybe we're both from the yeah. South or I feel like we know yeah. a lot of the same people and I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know either. Don't know hmm. either. So I want to talk a lot about, you know, where you are at in your faith and yep. how you see the church and all that. But I want to get, I want to get some, some business out of the way sure. first. Yep. Um, I, I was I was thinking about there there seemed to be like a and I don't know if it was just our church or if it was like a a, a, a big legal thing that was happening but we like at Seacoast everyone was required to actually list uh, the copyright like who wrote this song and, and the year it was like mandated you have to do that from now on and everything and I was just curious do you get paid when churches sing? how he loves us like like are you still making money from that i mean it's a humongous yeah. song you wrote it and everybody is is using it like can, can you make a decision to say i want to get paid for this sort of thing i mean how, how does that work yep. i don't know the business side yep that one's a really interesting one yes you do in a roundabout way get paid when churches play your song so there's this company, they're based out of Portland called uh, CCLI. I think it's Christian Copyright and Licensing. And um, for what, from what I remember, I've met the guys before, from what I remember, there was a court case way back, I want to say in the 80s, 80s or early 90s, um, where a church was playing um, a song by an artist, and it was a big church in town, and the, the artist found out they were doing his song, and he, yeah. I don't think he was a believer, um, I don't know that it matters, but I don't think he's a believer, but he sued the church, and it comes out, it turns around that the church had no idea, they're like, how do we even, 
you know, one, we don't even know the laws. And number two, how would we even, we would be fine to support this person we're using their, you know, and it was a big thing. And, and, and the CCLI, the people ended up creating CCLI saw this and thought, you know, like there really should be a way to help churches, you know, support the artists. Cause th- from a legal perspective, anytime someone uses your song in public, um, you know, they should pay a performance royalty. So all the venues do this. Like when you play a show at a venue, you always turn in your set list and they go to ASCAP and CSAC and those types of organizations, performance royalty organizations. And every year they buy a license. So I don't think they pay per song, but they buy a license every year from these companies for all the songs. So CCLI is the same way. So churches buy one license to use all the songs. And what's really cool about CCLI is that they they don't just give you a license. They also, like, give you access to chord charts and videos. And they make it, like, um, they, make, they make it a resource. And really, at the end of the day, they're helping churches do the legal thing, you know. Um, yeah. And, and, so, yeah. So when you say all the songs, so someone, the, the, the church pays a one-time fee to use all of your songs and you get that money? The church, I believe, so, you know, I'm not really a worship leader in church, but I know a little bit about how it works, is they pay a monthly or annual subscription, basically. So anyone who signed up through CCLI, and at this point, it's anyone you can ever imagine who writes worship songs is signed up through CCLI. So So how do they know how much to pay you? Like CCLI, does CCI pay you? Yeah, CCLI will pay me. So what CCLI does is the churches report every year the songs that they play. And so they they pick the songs that were played the most. um, They get paid more, you know. And I, I think it's changed for a while. It was like not every church has to report every year. It was like an algorithm type thing. But I think now, you know, it's easier because the churches can literally report through planning center or whatever, Yeah, you know, directly to CCLI. Um, So yeah, I do in a roundabout way get paid from when churches play how he loves, but it's not like every time a church plays it, I get paid for that. It's that, you know, if it gets reported enough, then it stays. So how he loves is funny. I think it's been in the top 20 CCLI, um, definitely in the top 50 since 2008 or something like that yeah, for a long time. Yeah. And so, no, it's been, it's been great. Um, you know, it has, it's, it's interesting though. This, there's not this kind of thing almost anywhere in any other genre of music, right? Like this is like one of the only places where this works. And that's what makes Christian music and worship music unique. And that's why you see there aren't really CCM artists anymore. They're all worship yeah. artists. It's because, oh, man. because sales don't really matter anymore unless you're at the top of the top you know unless you're Beyonce or Jay-Z or Bieber and your right, your record right. is in Walmart you know which is like or Target like you're not really say, you're not really selling music anymore it's all streams which is the economics are way 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 different so yeah. you know there's not the sales don't exist anymore you know for the most part so uh the church money is huge and yeah it's been awesome for me but also I feel like it can have some negative effects on the way we make music because all of a sudden the church is a big cash cow and all the businesses and right. are cashing in on the CCLI stuff, which I'm not going to complain about because it's helped me afford to do a lot of the stuff that I've done over the years. I, I produce all my own records and I've funded. Yeah, I've I've funded every record I've done except for one. Um, you know, funded them all myself, um, and I've been able to do pretty much what I want to do because of it. You know, yeah. So I'm not complaining. So it, but, at, yeah, at any point, say mind your daggone business. But I mean, are we are, <laughs> no. are, are we are we talking a substantial uh, percentage of your income and livelihood comes from songs that you've already written, or are we talking uh, kind of minuscule? Like, are we talking uh, it, big bucks? It would be yeah, it would be substantial. How he loves is not. I mean, at a point, how he loves was probably fifty percent of my income. That's not true anymore. Oh it's it's gosh. gone down. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely dipped. As it, I mean, that's the nature of the beast. You know, they have the ark. You know, so um, well, I don't know. I 50, I- maybe fifty is a strong is strong. Maybe not fifty, but it was yes. It was like a, a solid percentage of my income. You know. Yeah. Um, at a yeah at a point, but yeah. <laughs> I think I think what's irritating 
for me, and it's and it's really just kind of like a bird's eye view yeah. of all of this, is if you are in in the game of of worship song writing, I at least what I hear from those worship leaders, all I hear is you know, I'm doing this for God's glory and, you know, I'm, I write these songs for ministry and, and it's like this purified approach of, of music. And it's yeah. like, well, at least also say, I would love to make a lot of money from a song. <laughs> it's true. You know what I'm saying? It's true. I mean, uh, yeah. I, well, I totally. Like, just it, at least say it's, this is a business too. Yeah, totally. Which I actually think would be more honest and actually would be more, um, even, uh, godly thing to do because what right. what happens is like they make a lot of money like oh the lord's just blessing me just blessing me i was like he's blessing you with money i was like because you know i know a lot of <laughs> evil people who are blessed right. with money too so like right the, the 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 worldly success is not the stamp of god's approval but exactly. but a lot of people act like it is but I, yeah you don't have to walk very far to realize that that's not true you know yeah um, yeah, yeah, but I, I like CCLI. I think it's a good thing. I think they're doing a good service. I think the downside is that because people know there's money there, they write for that, and so they're not writing for the church anymore. They're writing for the right. church, right. you know. Because to really make money off CCLI, every church needs to be playing your song. Yeah. Like only the bigger ones make really, you know, money, and so yeah. uh, significant amounts of money, and so every church has to play your song. So. So it, people cease to write songs for their church, and now they're writing for everyone's church. And when you do that, you generalize everything, you know. And I think it takes away from some of the creativity, you know. Like you're probably going to worship God differently in Charleston than they do in Seattle or L.A. I mean, you just use different words, different phrases, and then there's different yep. churches, there's different age groups. Like there's different cultural things that are happening, you know, and so. It does kind of vanillify things because right. all of a sudden, anything, any little word that would keep your song from going to that next level, they're like, "Well, let's take this word out and put this in." Like, well, people don't want to sing a song at this tempo, so let's put it at this tempo. And it's sort of like you, you create this like um, this thing that everyone kind of likes, but nobody really loves. You know what I mean? Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So, uh, well, I was very appreciative. You sent me your album that's coming out. I think in February, it's Pe- yep. "Peopled with Dreams." Peopled is that- with dreams. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I you'll get a kick out of this. So my daughter, she she definitely has an ear for for you know she she doesn't just listen to everything everybody listens to, but that is kind of her main go to. Like she likes Post Malone uh-huh. and Billie Eilish and all that. Yep. But some of the some of the stuff that I play, you know, she'd be like, you know, who is this? But anyway, I played Christ Jesus. And she was like, who is this? And I was like, this is, this is John Mark McMillan, who, you know, she didn't know who you were, but I just thought that was cool. An eighth grader that yep. listens to Billie Eilish, yes. there was something about that song yes. that she, like, you, so the stuff that you're writing now and, yep. and people who have heard me on, on the, the podcast that I've been a part of, they, they know that I'm a huge fan. And, like, it's, you're not, you're not in that uh, pathway anymore as far as churches paying you. I mean, you're, you're not, it, they don't seem like worship songs. I mean, I know that that's a very subjective thing. Sure. I'm sure it's worship to you, yeah, yeah. but these aren't songs that churches are singing. It, I, I wouldn't imagine, are they? No, I don't think so. And I wasn't yeah. writing them with that in mind, you know? Right. And I kind of knew. So I was like, I, I reached a point where I used to feel like I have to put some of those songs on a record. And I've got to do right. that song. Well, let me let me be straight. I actually do like worship. You know, like I'm not yeah. against it. But like, mostly when I sit down um, to write, I'm not thinking about writing an anthem. Uh, you know, yeah. like a worship anthem. Like that's not nor, that's not what I'm trying to do. You know, and I used to feel like I had to. And I feel like I'm at the age now. Where I'm sort of like I just need to do what I love and what I believe in. You know, and if the worship song happens to be one of those songs, then that's great too. You know, but yeah. no, I knew, and I kind of wondered. I, I don't think the worship. Well, honestly, Mercury and Lightning kind of. I think the worship community bailed on me <laughs> with that record. Oh, did they? Yeah. And, you know, was that unexpected, or you kind of expected that? I didn't really know what to think. I, I right. kind of expected it. I was like, well, maybe if we land one big song. But then a lot of times you get those people who are just listening to that one song, and they're like, have no idea right. what the rest of the record is about. So, right. Yeah. So I just 
I don't know. I, I wasn't trying to write worship songs. But yeah, you're right. It is worship to me. But I wasn't trying to right. write like corporate songs. If people want to use them, yeah. that's cool too. Yeah. But yeah, that's not what I was going for. You know. In fact, I knew. Yeah. I kind of knew. It was like some Christians might have a little trouble with these songs. And I, I tried to mix it up a little bit. I feel like with Mercury and Lightning, I was writing songs that like, or maybe the past couple of records, I was writing songs that were Christian, but I didn't signal Christian. Right. As in this one, I was like, some of these ideas are going to be hard for people, so I'm actually going to signal Christian a little harder because some of the underlying themes are going to be a little more challenging, you know. Yeah. Um, and so that turned out to be a lot of fun, you know. Yeah. Where I mean, where is, I, you know, I I think I described your Mercury and Lightning stuff for me. It was, you know, if I described it to somebody, I'd say you know it's kind of kind of poppy but in a dark 80s ish sort of vibe and i i you know i don't know if that uh sits right with you or not (laughs) no it's fine uh i mean brilliant stuff i don't know how to describe this new album where is it coming from like it's just so good (laughs) but like how, how i mean if you had to give kind of a snapshot of like musically mainly is what i'm talking about right now like what where's where's this music coming from well we wanted to make a record that was a lot of fun to listen to and yeah. so we, we sort of, me and the producer, Jacob, we kind of created some rules. We're like, number one is, um, we used to be really concerned with like, is it a real instrument or not? You know? And I'm like, I don't care if it sounds good, <laughs> if we create it, you know, like if we like totally did it in the box or didn't, you know? And, and so rule number one is like, anything goes as far as sounds, as long as they're interesting and inspiring. And the second rule is that, um, nothing it's, we're not going to do anything more times than it needs to be done unless we just have purposely decided to be excessive. You know, so there's one super excessive moment on the record, which is um, at the end of Hammering Heart, which is like a minute and a half orchestra, <laughs> you yeah. know, like a space orchestra. Um, but other than that, you know, and a lot of the songs are short, which we didn't make them short on purpose, but it's like I want it to be catchy and fun. You know, and so those are kind of the two rules about production. Um, and I've never really done that before. Um, I kind of, it's kind of my attempt to make a little bit of a pop album. I don't think the sounds are all pop sounds, you know, but I was trying to just create something that I thought was like a pop. I'm calling it an existential pop record. You know? <laughs> it's still got a little bit of rock and roll, it's still got a little bit of the 80s, but it's got a lot of 90s R&B and pop vibes too. Right, you know? and, and, but it's it, it it still it still comes across very unique. Like it 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 doesn't come across like bubblegum pop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know that. Uh, but yeah, um, hats off, man. Once again, well, thanks, holy man. cow! And I, I haven't yeah. even gotten through the first four songs. I keep playing them over and over. So looking wow. looking forward to the second half of that yeah, album. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, we talked a little ahead of time that. Uh, about some of the stuff that I want to talk to you about. You know, I was, I was thinking actually talking to my pastor today and just how I think if I, I I hate using the word deconstruction, but I, everybody know, everybody knows what that means. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've been on this path for like seven years or, or, or more. And I have finally found myself in a place to where it's, it's, you know, I don't want to say that it stopped because that makes it sound like now I get it. Yeah, now, yeah. I, you know, I've got everything together. But I do feel like, you know, there was a lot of pain in the process. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of unsettledness in the process. And now I feel like the dust has settled and I'm comfortable with the new place that I'm at. And I am really happy to report that I consider myself 100% Jesus follower, Christian, whatever, you know, what, yeah. whatever you want to call it. But like if, oh my gosh, if, if someone could, you know, if you could somehow paint a picture of my, my spiritual beliefs and, and, and just where I was at 10 years mm-hmm. ago, it would look completely different from where I'm at. Like it's, it's like, I can't even put it into words, but I am a different person spiritually and I, I guess I just have to kind of chalk it up and say, I, I think this was all intended. I think God has been part of this process. And, you know, I, I don't know. But I, I guess if I had to, you know, one way that I would explain it is, you know, I lived the vast majority of my life growing up as like a Pentecostal. It was like I saw 
Christianity through this very narrow tunnel Mm -hmm. that everybody was telling me was the only way to look through things. Mm -hmm. And so I think as stuff started to not make sense and not sit well with me, I really feel like you either you either kind of dig your heels in the sand and like yeah but I'm going to keep I'm going to keep going yeah. and I'm going to keep investigating and I'm going to keep seeking or you just bail. Yeah. You know. And um so yeah, I, I think I think it's been very reassuring and uh, like a comforting thing to see that how I was seeing Christianity is such a small percentage mm-hmm. of Christians as a whole. Yeah. And and I just always saw it as no, this is how you're supposed to believe. But I mean, you know, things like the the atonement well like for example like i i felt guilty for a while that the penal substitution thing just wasn't jiving with me and and i recently heard that there's so many christians that see it as more of a uh, christus victor yeah, i think yeah. i'm saying it correctly yeah. that basically god the son and the holy spirit collaboratively saw that earth you know humanity had turned its back on god and it, it kind of like how cs lewis uh, shows it in the chronicles of yep. narnia and there is a rescue plan of of the whole trinity mm-hmm. to say we love people we love creation we're going to rescue them all mm-hmm. and it's like i didn't know i could believe yeah. that like that sounds <laughs> so much better and, and, it, and it really does resonate but i was just curious like have would you say that you have gone through uh, a similar transition i guess similar as in like very profound changes in the last 10 years or you know what's what's kind of been your journey definitely my journey is very similar to yours hearing you describe it like that um like i i feel like i I feel like there's one way to see things and things were a certain way like i assumed things or i was told things were a specific way and i felt like you know when it didn't start to make sense to me that um i was like i have to let go of all of it when it turns out, like, belief, like, and this is the thing. We're told we're supposed to believe in Jesus, right? Um, but no one tells us what believing actually is. Right. You know, and that's, my, that's been my problem with church. It's not that I disagree with what they're saying. Like, I just don't think they always communicate. Actually, I don't think they even always agree on what these terms mean. Like, what does it actually mean to believe? And so, like, a lot of us are taught that to believe means, you know, this table is here. I believe it is here, you know? But that's not the same thing as like, you know, I'm going to go pick up my kids from school later, and I believe I'm not going to get in a car accident on the way there, Yeah, you know? Um, you know, but I don't know that for a fact. But if right. I didn't leave the house because I was afraid I was going to get in a car accident, like, I would have to deal with other issues. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and so belief, I don't think has to, belief and having a concrete knowledge about something are not the same thing at all, I don't think. You know, right. and I'm not even sure that I know how to nail belief down. Like I have friends who aren't believers, but they think the gospel is beautiful. They just don't think it actually happened, you know. But they want to believe it, and they see yeah. beauty and value in it. So that could be believing as well. I'm not. Who am I to say what is believing and what's not believing? You know. Right. But I believe that. Like I see, I see my belief now as more of a spectrum rather than a thing, more yeah. than a static thing. So, for instance, like. I would say now I'm definitely a believer. I'm definitely a Christian. Like I have, I have different ideas about what Christianity is than I used to, which is really difficult. You know, I could talk about that in a minute. But as far as belief as being a spectrum, like on my best days, me and God are best friends. Like we are actual friends. I'm actual friends with the Creator of the universe. On my worst days, Christianity is just an amazing way to be in the world. You know, and so like I don't have to argue. I don't have to sit around. Like I just just used to spend hours and days and begging God to show me. But I realized like the truth is somewhere in between. As far as I'm concerned, the truth is somewhere in between those two things. Yeah, and I don't have to veer out of those lines. You know what I'm saying? Like it's sort of like if someone wants to tell me Christianity is not a great way to be in the world, then I would I'd go back to them and say, but where do we get ideas like equality? Where do we get ideas like love? Like respect like do we just sort of i feel like and i'm not an anti-secularist necessarily but i sometimes i want to say do you guys think like this is a natural thing like do you think that humans (laughs) naturally you know and i've heard people that i even respect say that you know children aren't born racist they're taught racism that's actually not true like kids are born defensive and skeptical of people who don't look like them and act like them we have to teach them 
how to respect other people, you know? Yeah. And so, like, at the worst, like, and the church hasn't always done it well. I mean, God, they haven't always done it well. But at least religion is 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 stepping up to the plate and trying to do that job, you know? Yeah. And to me, that's the place of religion in the world is to teach people how to be in it, you know? And I don't understand how we we assume that if we remove that from the world, that we're just going to all naturally you know, treat each other well and love each right. other, you know, like, and I'm right. not saying you need religion to believe those things, but I'm saying like, where do they come from? Yeah, sure. Like, I don't and think, you know, I don't think they just naturally spring up, you yeah. know? Yeah. And and I think what's super interesting too, is as far as what you're saying, you know, in worst days, it's a great way to live is Jesus, his, his number one thing that he told people was to follow him. Yeah. In fact, I think, think i could go on the record and say i mean some someone please email me if i'm wrong here but i don't think he i don't think he ever asked anyone to even worship him now does that mean that we don't worship him no i I definitely want to worship jesus but there's like something real deal important with christians like reducing it almost to i follow the teachings of jesus yeah totally that's that's what he asked us to do yeah you know and and i think that church has put so much stock and emphasis on what you believe in a way where it's like if you believe this way you're out totally if you believe this way you're in and that was not what jesus was all about that was not what he was even trying to start yeah (laughs) it's like a as a belief club totally well yeah and i mean actually jesus while he was on the earth like there are moments when he told people not to worship him right even said don't call me good you know, they said, you're good. It's like, no, don't call me good. Only the Father's... I mean, so Jesus said, don't worship me. Don't call me good. And then yeah. um, they try to make him king, and he runs away. Don't make me king. And then he dies. He's resurrected. He ascends. And then, then, then he's like, okay, now Jesus is Lord, right? And it's like, well, how do we worship you now? You're not here. And so he creates the body of Christ. He says, as you've done the least of these, you, you've done unto me. So right. it's almost like Jesus is the anti-king. But see, we, yeah. like, I feel like early on, I was really attracted to this version of Christianity that has, you know, we personify the deity, which is fine. The deity, you know, we personify God and Jesus, which is fine. But then we treat Jesus like we would a human leader, you know, it's like affection, and he wants the songs. We got to say good things about him. We got to make sure everyone knows his name, and they talk good about his name. But that doesn't really seem to be the Jesus of the Bible. You know, like Jesus almost receives love vicariously. You know, like through the way you treat other people. You know, as you've done unto the least of these. You know, um, right. I think as James says that true worship is going to visit with orphans and widows and that kind of. You know, I'm not. I'm also not reducing Christianity to simply sure, justice. Sure. Justice is right. part of it, but I'm not reducing it to simply justice. But I do think that you know, I was in this world that we had created this uh, super tribal agreement. You know, right. where like if someone puts Jesus down, you're going to get mad. If you use Jesus' name wrong, someone's going to get mad. Like, but but this is not necessarily how the deity is worshipped. You know, mm-hmm. it's sort of like we've created the we created the God we wanted or the King we wanted, and then we put Jesus became the excuse to live the way we already wanted to live. Do you know what I mean? Like, and we create these worldly. Um, and I'm not anti-church. I'm just saying, like, now I'm starting to realize that I guess agreeing with you in the sense that like reverence to Jesus, uh, you almost can't have reverence outside of practice. Like Christianity is a practice-based religion. You know, mm-hmm. and we've sort of made it into a teaching-based religion or a feeling-based religion, and the feeling yep. people and the teaching people argue back and forth. Meanwhile, none of them are practicing the faith, right? Or few of them are right. really practicing the faith. And there's someone out there who doesn't f- get all the feels and who doesn't have all the right theology who is just trying to practice Christianity. Right. You know? Meanwhile, meanwhile, we're trying to make sure everybody knows that gay people are not Christians. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, what in the world? <laughs> I know, I know. In the, in the meanwhile, we're arguing over those issues when and, and not actually practicing the faith, right? Yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. So this, yeah, so this is speculative on my part, uh, but let me start by asking you, did you and uh, Dave Bazan build a relationship? I saw somewhere where you guys were, I don't know if it was Cornerstone or, or somewhere where you guys played back-to-back, y'all like shared a stage somewhere, is that true? Yep, it was at, I can't remember the name of the festival... Um, 
but yeah, we played back to back, and he was really nice to me. I think someone you know to create um, some buzz about the event. You know, yeah. was said, you know, like, uh-oh, John Mark and Dave Bazan are back-to-back, both bearded guys, and one's an atheist, one's a Christian. They must going to get in an argument, you know, and it wasn't, <laughs> but it wasn't, like, I'm a huge fan of Dave Bazan. Like, we loved right. the show. My whole band was on the, you know, they were standing beside the stage the whole time. Oh, He was, hel- yeah, he was hilarious. Artist. You know, afterwards, we met and shook hands. He was really kind, and we laughed, and then I played my set, you know. Um, but yeah, I think it was more of so a, you guys don't know each other well, sort not of. Not really well. I know people who know him, and we've bumped into each other, um, you know, over the years. But yeah. that's probably the only uh, interaction he would probably remember. But I remember being yeah, a kid. Totally. I remember being a teenager going to see Pedro the Lion. Like I was a big. Oh fan. my gosh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and and I, you know, Dave and I got to know each other somewhat. But just because oh, wow. of having him on 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 Bad Christian yep. multiple times and and really getting to know him through those conversations, I think the reason why I brought that up is I I sometimes speculate, and I don't think Dave Bazan will hear this, but if so, uh, this is all in love, and I'm probably wrong, and I don't know you like this, man. <laughs> but I, it it seems like a lot of people may take the we'll call it the Dave Bazan mm-hmm. route of of basically wait a second there's something wrong here I don't believe and and a lot I mean I would say the majority of critique that Bazan has on the church and Christianity and all that stuff I I, I completely resonate with mm-hmm. but I wonder if someone like Dave Bazan was not able to to maintain faith in Christianity because there was never a alternative of approaching things because mm-hmm. he he was brought up to my knowledge he was brought up very similar to me yeah. which is very very unhealthy legalistic mm-hmm. judgmental you know uh, fire and damnation sort of approaches to faith yeah. and, and I some I just sometimes wonder if if people like that they don't have a choice but to get out because. To their knowledge, all the Christians think the same way and believe the yeah. same way, and he's like, I can't have anything to do with that. But I don't know. Totally. That's, that's speculative on my part. I've thought that many a times. Like, And I, I saw a guy tweet the other day, oh, gosh, I don't want to ruin it because it was so good. But you know, he was talking about all the people who are leaving the faith you know, over um, racism. He's like, he's like, all you people are leaving the faith, but you've never sat under like a black minister before. He's like, wow. he's like, you, you feel like you only have two choices, like, you know, like this sort of church, this segregated <laughs> church, or no church at all. He's like, right. he's like, he's like, I'm offended. He's like, I'm totally yeah. offended. He's like, you're just as bad as them. You don't want to give me a chance either. You know, it's like <laughs> you're just you're gonna walk away from the faith because you don't like how white male leaders, but you've never sat under a female leader, a minority leader. You know what I mean? I was yeah. like, but it's yeah. true. The body of Christ is really, really diverse, yeah. really, really diverse, and it is frustrating yeah. when people make up their mind about God or the church based on one specific experience. Because see, all my experiences have been really good. Even when I was having my deconstruction, the hardest part was I loved all the fundamentalists that I went to church with. Like. Yeah. They're so sweet. And I was like, oh, they're going to hear this podcast and they're probably going to get their feelings hurt because of the stuff that I'm saying. But I love them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I legitimately do. I can't see the world. They, I can't see the world the way they see the world. Like, it's impossible for me to like change the way I see the world. But I really love them. And like, a lot yeah. of the people, like, if I was in jail, you know, like, and I had my one phone call, it would probably be sent to some one of those friends who would maybe be a little more along the lines of, a fundamentalist, because those have been the most solid people in my life. Those have been the people to show up, you know, uh, right. when I needed somebody. And those have been the people to love me no matter what, you know. And that's been my experience. Yeah. And so that's the tough part, listening to a lot of the podcasts where people are just so, you know, angry. And then you hear their story and you're like, God, if I had your story, right. I'd feel the same way. But don't you realize this yeah. is not the only thing? Like people who are totally. abused, even sexually abused in church, I'm like, yeah, but... Church is still safer than the mall. You know what I mean? Right. Like the reason you're abused in church is because you're always there's more, always more opportunity for abuse in a place where people trust. So people get abused more in families than they do at church, and they get abused more at church than they do at the mall. Because at the mall, people know you're not supposed to let your kids walk away with strangers. You know. <laughs> but totally see, funny. I don't want to live without that trust. I want to live in places where that is. That is a possibility. I don't want to shut myself and my family off from the world. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And so, I, I, 
I like what you say as far as your your love for fundamentalists and your life and it and it and it really I think that to me is one of the major issues because it's like with the ex evangelical crowd and I I would say that I I resonate with a lot of it. I've even thought to myself, man, am I am I ex evangelical? I thought it was really cool. I had lunch, like I said, with my pastor earlier today and you know, I was just telling him, I was like, you know, I'm I'm finally comfortable in my skin being around what most would would say people are evangelicals and I, whatever that means I don't think that I am and uh, I was I thought it was really cool I didn't expect this he's just like you know what I actually don't think I am an evangelical but but the but the the tricky thing is now is that if you're in the ex-evangelical crowd a lot of like there there's an extreme ex-evangelical, just like there's extreme fundamentalists, and they are both extremely unhealthy, and they mirror each other. Like, I, I'll i never forget, I saw on Twitter where there was a guy, and he seriously just had the, the be- I mean, it seemed like the best intentions. He had a podcast, and it was something along the lines of, I'm trying to understand uh, more perspective of uh, the LGBTQ community and and what the bible says like is there anyone that would like to come on the podcast and and discuss this and 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 you know broaden my vision with it you know basically i grew up a certain way and i, I want to learn more and dude he was uh i think a, a guy from the evangelical crowd asked him a question and then this guy's answer led the evangelical to basically say well it's obvious that you have a very elementary perspective and i don't have time to educate you on stuff that you should know and and just hammered this guy. I mean, absolutely hammered him. And it's like, it feels like if you're just like the ex-evangelicals fundamentalists, it's like, if you aren't like us, you're out. You know, we, we have all the rules down pat. We know the terminology. If you don't, you're not with us. If you don't see things like us, you're not with us. You're against us. And and they're really, you know, there's no difference. I know. <laughs> it's, it's really the same. Well, what's funny is I, I, was hearing, I heard someone talk about this recently, you know, like if you take, you take someone from both of those crowds and you just take the terminology away, like right. do they live their lives in a different, like how do they treat people at work? How do they treat their kids? Do they cheat on their taxes? You know what I mean? Which is always funny. Someone who cheats on their taxes and is banging me over the head about voting for Bernie Sanders always blows yeah. my mind. You know? <laughs> it's sort of like everyone does their part, but <laughs> you all need to do your part, but right. I'm not paying my taxes, whatever. But, you know, um, yeah, but do their lives do their lives really look that different? You know right. what I mean? Like, you know, without the signals, like take all the signals away. Right. Do they look that different? Like, and I don't know that they do. Like, I don't know that they're really any different. Right, and it seems like it. It, it seems like you know, especially if you're going to maintain a, a, a faith in Christianity, it's like, wait a second, isn't isn't love the thing that is supposed to mark us, even to the degree of loving your enemies? And if and if you see these people that you're so bitter towards as as opposition. Those are the very people that you need to challenge yourself to love, um, and, and, and I and, and I don't what what I don't want to say is is like what you said. There has been people that have been so abused by the church. I mean, I talked to a, a gay guy that was literally dunked in in water like, like 30, 45 seconds at a time, basically to to get the homosexuality out of them. And I'm like, how how does that guy turn around and say, yeah, I, I love the church? And you know, that, I I haven't walked in his shoes, so I, that's not what I'm saying. But it just seems like the our our ultimate goal, all of us should be to love people that is not natural for us to love. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, Jesus says that he says as much, right? He's just like, oh, you love your family. He's like, well, right. like the worst people in the world love their family. I mean, Hitler loved his family, right? You know, like, so yep. what is that? You love your family? So what? He's like, yep. he's like, you want to be like God. He's like, God loves everybody, you know? So if you really want to be like God, you got to love the people that, you know, that you don't like, who don't look like you, yep. don't feel like you, and think like you. Yep. You know, it's easy to love the people who agree with you. That's really easy. Yep. That's not even a, if you can't do that, like, <laughs> you're like, you know, right? who are you? You're in trouble. Exactly. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. 
Now, would you, how would you answer the question? Like if someone asked you in an interview, oh yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if someone asked, are you an evangelical? Sure. Like how, how, how would you, how would you answer that? Well, what's funny is because I grew up in a church that was very sort of non-denominational and we didn't use that terminology. So I never considered myself an evangelical, you know? And I think, so I guess you had to sort of define those terms, sure. you know? And I always, I guess later on when I started hearing that term, I always felt like it applied a little bit more to mainline denominational Christians, you know, or was more of a cultural term, you know? I mean, I guess the term literally means like someone who, a group who believes in evangelizing for Christ, you know? I would just want to like define what even that means to evangelize, yeah. you know? Because I, I mean, so, and you know, like a lot of people probably be a little annoyed at this, like... And I hope this doesn't get me in trouble because I love Jesus. Like, I am a believer. But I also, like, I can't be so sure that Christians have the monopoly on God either. Right. You know, I'm not, I obviously think it's the best way, you know, right. or I wouldn't be one, you know. But it's really hard for me to stand up and be like, look, guys, the, the name of the God you're serving is the wrong name. And you need to come worship the name of the God I'm serving. Right. You know, whether or not, no matter how you're living your life, you know, like you need to come like, make sure you change the name, even though yeah. like, you know, we did, you know, no one said Jesus, his name was, you know, whatever it was in Hebrew or Aramaic or whatever. And even that name was like Josh, right? Like it wasn't right. like a unique name, like he was a guy. So it's like, you know, so I have a hard time doing that and I have a hard time telling people they're going to go to hell if they don't reverence the deity. Because right. I don't believe that's what Jesus was saying, and I'm open to being wrong. And here's what sure. I like about this stance, by the way, is and and this sort of to me reveals like where people are coming from. Is nowhere do, does even the most fundamentalist um, would have to agree with this. That, like you aren't saved by believing in hell, right? Exactly. Like, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. No, you're but, saved. But tell an evangelical that you don't believe in hell anymore. They're like, they're they think you're going you're not there. A Christian anymore. It's like, <laughs> exactly. But like, even the most, if the most fundamentalist was honest, like by every scripture they use, like, like you don't get saved by believing in hell. And even like my dad would say, even Satan believes in hell, right? So I mean, you know, you get saved by believing in Jesus. Now we need to go back and define what believe means, and we need to define what right. Jesus means. You right. know, and I'm not trying to make it all spacey. You know, yeah. But what does it mean? to believe and what does it mean to believe in Jesus you know yeah. like I don't know that that's so um, self-evident you know what I mean yeah yeah and and I, my eyes have really been open recently I, I'd say this is kind of like the the last major shift is there are some very wise Bible student slash teachers that believe there's a pretty damn good chance that 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 Jesus wins everybody, you know, and 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 my gosh, it's like that really, you know, and and I think some people are just like, well, yeah, that feels good, so obviously it clicks, but it's like, no, there's there's more depth to that than just this feels good. Like, you know, for me, there were just so many things, and 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 I'm I'm with you, you know, I I could be wrong about this sort of stuff, but there's just so much that doesn't make sense out of, you know, we, we say, man, these are just hard questions that we'll just never know. But it's like, whoa, 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 let's slow down. God gave us a brain. These are almost impasses here. Like this is stuff that it's okay to be like, wait a second, this is a problem. And, and one of them being that, that God would be willing to create billions and billions and billions of people knowing that the vast majority are going to burn forever. Like that's, that's a, that's a real big problem. Uh, and, and, and I'm okay with saying that his thoughts and his ways are, are, are higher than mine. And I'm operating from a, a, a little human brain, but you know, I, it definitely, you know, guys like Richard Rohr, Brian McLaren, and, and some of these guys that are, are really laying out a, a pretty good case for, you know, everyone being saved. It, it, it resonates. Yeah, for sure. totally. Totally. And I, you, if you're a believer, you should at least want that to be the case, right? Exactly. Exactly. You it know? shouldn't be wrong to <laughs> maybe be like, uh, you know, cross my fingers. I hope that's what I happens. know. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Totally. And, and it's, 
it's it's crazy too how once you have your mind open to something like that, you actually do start to you start to see scripture a little bit differently. Like for example, I always saw the passage where it says, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. I've always said I've always thought and I've even taught people like, you know, for some people that is voluntary here on this earth and they will go to heaven and voluntarily do that. For for people that are gonna go to hell, they they are made to bow and they're made to confess where now I'm like, wait a second. Seems like Paul says that if anybody confesses Jesus as Lord, that is all they need, you know, for a relationship with God. And it's like, well, if every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess, that may be some really good news right there, right in our faces that we're just ignoring. Yeah, totally. I mean, that, 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 that's a good sign, I John. <laughs> it is. And you start to see everything different, you know. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, even Jesus himself, like, you know, Jesus dies for our sins. You know, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And all of a sudden it's like, so God himself dies for us, Right. Like, even if, even if you just think about that from a psychological standpoint, you know, like, up until that time, like, gods didn't die. You sacrificed to gods. And it wasn't weird for ancient people. It was sad, but it wasn't odd for the ancient people if they needed something to sacrifice even a child, even a firstborn son, you know? Yeah. And so here you have Jesus' sacrifice, and all of a sudden, like, the god that you've been, like, sacrificing Two, when you need something, when you're in trouble, when you're in a mess, when you're messed up and you, you know, you need the rain for your crops or you need someone to help you get away from the, the village next door that has more people and they're mad at you and they're going to kill you because there are no jails. Yeah. You're just going to be obliterated, you know, and you, you offer up a sign, you throw someone in a volcano, you burn somebody. Yeah. I mean, this is like really normal everyday stuff to the ancient world, right? Right. You know, to sacrifice them. Now, all of a sudden, like, God flips the script and he's sacrificing to you. Like, what right. does that do psychologically? All of a sudden, God has taken responsibility for everything that's ever happened. And I have this theory, and I wrote a song about it. It's, it's the last song on the record. But, the newest? Yeah, the newest record. It's the very last song. And it's, it's sort of asking the question of, you know, we all want to be God, we sort of covet the power of God. Like, I mean, we want the money and we want the, we do, we want to be in control, you know. But I wonder if God is all powerful, but also he feels the pain of every person who's ever lived at the same time, mm. you know. And so it's sort of like all of a sudden it's like, okay, God is not just this one thing, God is something else. And so God, you know, makes these difficult decisions and creates the world, and we see all this violence, but God is not uh, alien from the violence. He's present in the violence, and he's, he is the most victimized, you know, being, because he feels the pain of everybody yeah. that ever was. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And I don't know I what that means, like but that. psychologically it does something. You start to see God and the whole world a little bit differently. Right. You know, it does for me. Anyway. Yeah. You know? So, that, so that, that, that sounds like something that you're currently thinking through and, and, uh, exploring what, what would be some, you know, we'll wrap it up here, but what, what would be some other things that maybe you're not necessarily wrestling with, but maybe there are some things that, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a challenge right now in, in your thoughts and belief system and all that. Are there some current things that are low hanging fruit of stuff that you're thinking through and, and maybe hmm. struggling with? I don't know. I mean, I struggled for a long time. I think I've given myself a break from struggling. Yeah, <laughs> I think I've decided to major on uh, gratefulness, you know, like, because I've realized this, like, no matter what happens, no matter what is real, I'm here. And that's a freaking miracle, you know, and because like, if you think about all the people that have existed in the world, like most of them have already died, but I'm here, right? And the world is the, you know, the earth is sitting in the black oblivion of space, you know, and if you get a click away from the earth, you're, the, you're destroyed, you're done, right. you know, but we're here, you know, and so it's like we have these like little miracles, you know, and I, I sort of decided at a point like I don't want to waste my miracle in conflict, you know, and I'm not disagree. I, I actually enjoy the, the back and forth, yep. but I feel like I had uh, several years where I was just in so much agony, you know, over the reality of my faith, over whether or not God was real and what kind of God he was, and honestly... I struggled a lot about where I go when I die, you know. And I do, I do believe in heaven, like the afterlife kind of heaven. I really do. But I've also come to terms if, like, if I just go to sleep and don't wake up, 
that's got to be okay too, you know. Right. And I and people are like, oh, it's heresy. You won't be upset about it. No, I won't be. <laughs> but also, you know, like I, I don't really think much about what was happening before I was born. I don't. I'm not like afraid of that. You know, abyss. Why am I? Would I be afraid of the abyss in front of me? You know. Yeah. But I'd, I'd really. But that, that's not. That's not a way out to say I don't believe in heaven or the afterlife. I do. I don't believe it's going to be anything like what I think it's going to be. I mean, right. maybe AI resurrects everybody, <laughs> you know, and Jesus is like, see, I was here all along, guys. <laughs> you know, but, ah, uh, gosh. But what is low-hanging fruit? Man, I don't know. Oh, I think you nailed I really it. I think know. you nailed it. Yeah. 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 I, no, I like yeah. what you said, man. But man. we'll say this. I, you know, I, I love Christianity. I'm really loving my Christianity right now. Yeah. I'm really loving yeah, going to it? church. Like, I don't know what, I I think once I was like, okay, this is what it is, and this is what it can be, and I was like, I like going there. I like seeing my friends. I like praising the Lord. I like that one day out of the week, someone is telling me to love somebody else. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, my, my my whole paradigm has shifted with that, too, for sure, because it's like, all of a sudden, I realize, wait a second, you know, not, not every, you know, sometimes I don't have the right intentions, but most people are, are here because they want to love people more and, and they, they have bought into community and taken care of one another. I mean, I can't tell you how many, how many people like at the church that I'm a part of just will, will empty their wallet a thousand dollars at a time to help somebody else. I'm like, my gosh, that's what I want to be a part of. Like that, that's what, sign me up for that, man. And, and, uh, but, but it, it was a struggle for me, I think for a while, what, what always aided me was I was like, man, I, I feel like I'm so different from everybody else. And, and I don't know what they would think if they knew how I thought and all that, but it, it got to a point where I was like, no, wait a second. We are all seeking God. And we are, we all suspect that there is something really profound about Jesus when it comes to seeking God. I'm like, that's, that's all, that's all we need to be connected. I mean, because other, otherwise we're saying, no, we figured out a certain formula that we all aspire to. And that that's what connects us as we crack the code, you know? Yeah, totally. And it's not like, I, I can kind of agree with a lot of the things people say about church, about not going to church. Like I get exactly. it. I no, do. I get but it no yeah. one, there's no one who seems to be able to offer me like a better alternative. They yeah. give me all the reasons to not go to church, but they can't really give me anything better. Right. You know? Yeah. I'm like, you know, show me, show me the way, <laughs> show me the <laughs> totally. way, show me the way, master. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, can you show me a better way? Because I would be very yeah. interested in that if you could. Yeah, you yeah, know? absolutely, absolutely. Well, dude, this has been fun, man. Yeah, man. Uh, it's been it's been too long, and we'll have to do it again soon. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to play uh, uh, some clips of, of your yeah. album at the end of this episode. If yeah, totally. For that. Play whatever you want. Sweet. It's 100% Sweet. free. I don't have, um, there's no publishing or anything. I've worked really hard awesome. to, to have full ownership of this record. So Cool. Well, I, I, I sent an email to like 3,000 people, <laughs> and I, I have a secret website, and I'm actually charging people $5 for sneak preview. Is that okay? <laughs> Hey, as long as you send me the emails, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> send me those hey, I'll, emails. I'll, I'll give you 10% of my profits. All right, all that's right. probably better but, than the record companies.